0: Hello Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trendy. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie and I'm joined by
1: Hello, I am Isabel, and
2: this is Agnes.
0: So without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about another trope dissection. The trope dissection today will be about glasses or Megane uh, characters with glasses in anime specifically. Uh fun fact, this... A subject was actually suggested to us by one of our listeners and I thought that it was an excellent subject for us to explore so if you guys have any suggestions for us on anime that or stuff about anime that you would like us to analyze and hear our opinions on please let us know because you could be picked like this suggestion was picked so with that being said Megane or glasses in anime it's Interesting, I think, in regards to how characters with glasses is portrayed in anime, especially when we've grown up in a more Western context as well, because I personally think that characters with glasses, yes, they are always portrayed as nerdy and they're portrayed as the smart one, you know, the strategist of the group, but they can also be portrayed as really, really sneaky and with like a devilish side to them. And I think and it's sort of like this intelligence is the one thing that sort of ties between Western, you know, concoctions of people with glasses and, you know, anime uh, characters with glasses as well. But I think this is where the similarities end, because nerds or characters with glasses in the Western hemisphere, especially back then, it's changing as culture always changes and thus stories always change in reflection. But uh, in the older days, especially in Western films and shows, the characters with glasses are the losers. They're the nerds who don't have any friends, who don't really have any social skills. They struggle with popularity and they really want to be popular and stuff. But I don't think characters with glasses in anime gets portrayed in such a negative light. Yes, they're sly and sneaky, but they're always seen as intelligent and maybe goofy and still the same awkwardly social nerd but not in as negative of a light where they're completely helpless and if anything they tend to be the supporting character that like comes into clutch whenever something bad happens because they're the ones who like remember something or read about something and figure something out and stuff like that so they have sort of a more positive light to their portrayal that's my opinion at least especially when looking at it from an east versus west perspective but i am curious to think about what you two think as well on the Megane sort of trope like do you guys like it um do you agree with sort of like my compare and contrast what do you guys think
1: <laughs> usually i find the characters who are nerdy and uh they wear glasses, I find them a little bit annoying sometimes, or I don't know why they, sometimes they're really obnoxious for some reason,
0: Ah. and there are a couple
1: characters like that, and, you know, there's that moment when they push up their glasses, and it flashes, and you just know, okay, (laughs) great, something dumb is coming, or, yeah, so that's how I feel about them, and I feel like we don't have too many main characters with, you know, glasses in general, but when we do, I feel like it's actually pretty cool. They're actually really good characters, in my opinion, at least.
0: And what about you, Agnes? How do you feel about the Megane trope as a whole?
2: It, I guess it depends on what genre you're talking about the Megane trope from, because if you're looking at Megane's from the slice of life or from the more Hiram perspective, you usually get the shy, quiet bookish type that doesn't really amount to anything. You don't really feel that much inspiration from them as a character and then the whole trope of them like they take off their glasses and they're beautiful you know it's, it's very like when i take off my glasses i can't see anything you know <laughs> i am far from beautiful i'm just like squinting and trying to figure out who's in front of or, me. you know? i your like flattering. eyes are
0: too large because you're trying too hard to appear normal
2: even <laughs> your you people just dilate not- trying to <laughs> grab all the light it can to see your punny little vision yeah that's what that's how we all feel wearing glasses it's not glamorous I think as anime tends to portray it but I do agree with if you take it on a different spin for the shonen or a or like maybe like a sports anime or a fantasy anime the glasses characters take a particularly different role either they're like really smart but they're very crafty or they are potentially kind of like evil and devilish
0: mm-hmm. yes I agree and I, I definitely think I didn't think about it in that you know angle but now that you've said it I I do see, like, yes, there is a clear distinction between glasses-wearing people in Slice of Life sort of slower anime versus glasses-wearing people in the fantasy action-heavy sort of anime. It's almost like there's different tropes as a whole because of the trope. It's a trope within a trope. Yeah, a trope (laughs) within a trope. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think my one critique of the actual trope itself is that I just kind of wish more people wore glasses in anime because let's be honest here. All of our eyes are terrible nowadays. Like, I genuinely. Well, all our
2: eyes are terrible because we just stare at technology all day long. But then the blue light also screws with us. Yes,
0: it's so for me, it's like I genuinely, out of everyone I know right now, including acquaintances, like co workers that I'm not close enough to even call friends, out of everyone, I only know one person who genuinely has perfect vision. Everyone else is wearing contacts or glasses or both, you know, because you can interchange between both. And so I think that's the only thing I wish was just a little more present about Megane as a whole anime. I just wish that more people were wearing contacts and glasses because let's be honest, reality right now, most people are. And so I think that's just the most accurate reflection of it. But like every trope, things change and throughout the years and, you know, our listeners, the one who pointed out the glasses wearing trope has sort of decreased throughout the years where even people who aren't considered nerdy are also wearing glasses now. In fact, there are even characters who aren't considered smart at all and they're wearing glasses because they've played games and because, you know, eyesight is really, really easy to get bad nowadays in a very technologically heavy world. And so that was something he pointed out that I thought was also he or she, sorry, I don't know who it is. Uh, something they pointed out that I thought was really important to also bring into the selection. But that being said, this wouldn't be a trope dissection if we don't talk about characters that we think embodies the trope well and explain why and doesn't embody the trope well and explain why. So we are going to dive right into it. And I'm going to hand the baton to Isabel today. Isabel, especially since you said the glasses characters are kind of annoying. So I am really curious, like what is a Megan A character then that you do think does a good job of it? And then I'm guessing the character that you're gonna pick that doesn't do a good job is more of an annoying character.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so the first character I really like who wears glasses is actually Mirai Kuriyama from Beyond the Boundary. Ah, oh, yes,
0: this oh. girl. That's a good one. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I feel like I've brought her up so many times, but I just like the color of her glasses. They're like red, and I feel like it's <laughs> really hard to pull off that red color, especially. It's if true. In life it's meaning.
2: so true. <laughs>
1: It's like so starkingly bad. The only other character I can also think of is um, Sarutobi Ayame from Gintama, and maybe because her her hair is like purple and stuff, like the red really contrasts her her um, character and her design. That I find it so weird and striking. And I don't know. It's just her character. She's really silly in a sense too, but in you know in contrast to Mirai, I feel like Mirai is uh, superior, <laughs> and the fact that she's really cool as a character because she she not only doesn't let her glasses you know, get in her way, she still is that character who's able to fight, and she's the main character of the series as well. And the only thing in, in that series is the other character, Akihito, who ha- actually has a fetish for glasses. Oh, right! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's making poses every time I kind of steps into the room. She, he's always saying something like, I would love to see a spectacle, beauty, beauty, and, and he she just kind of brushes them off really. But I find that she's a really cool character overall, and you know she rocks the glasses. And then like you said, Agnes, when you take off those glasses, you can't see anything. I'm pretty sure there's a moment in the anime where she's like blind and she's trying to grab for things. Yeah, yeah, so realistic. It's so, yes, realistic. I remember that, it's yes. so nice. <laughs>
2: And then, like, when she she trips and then, like, her glasses fall, she does, like, a Vilma moment, like, in Scooby-Doo, trying to find her oh glasses. That is so realistic. Oh, my God. I don't know how many times I've misplaced my glasses, and I'm, like, pawing around my desk trying to find it. Honestly,
0: though, like, at least for me as well, because I also have terrible eyesight. Without my glasses, I cannot see anything. <laughs> so
2: Yeah, and, and, you do, and you do most of your work on the computer, too, so that's, like, a double whammy. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have to know where my glasses... I once knocked my glasses off from the desk, Uh, And I didn't know because I was asleep. And so the next morning, cue the utter panic of me going, where are my glasses? (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, no, we are quite helpless without our glasses. But. I find it funny, Isabel, like, I, I and I also find it funny with you as well, Agnes, that the big thing that stood out to you about Mirai wearing glasses is about how she can pull off the color
2: of the glasses. Okay, but hear me out, hear me out, how, many ta- how many times have you got, because all of us here wear glasses, right? How many times have you gone to the glasses store, you see a really pretty pair of glasses and you're like, man, it looks so cool on the model, I want to try it on, and then you wear it, you look like a clown
0: be a fair amount yes <laughs> yes right
2: so like mirai can pull off like that particular shape and that particular shade is really impressive because at one point when you start wearing glasses long enough you think to yourself i don't want to i want to wear something that's cool but then you also think to yourself but i don't want to attract attention so you end up getting the blandest looking one that's usually black or dark blue
0: oh shoot now or i'm looking gray. wait hold on. what color so- <laughs>
2: like I am I'm am also like no stranger to that like I have usually black or blue glasses very rarely do I have something that's like a red color but even then it's like a very dark like magenta that almost looks black
0: so- yeah I have a magenta color actually funnily enough my uh my glass frames tend to be like purplish and so that tends to be my go-to color
2: <laughs> yeah but it still looks appears black it's not something that's like bright green or like oh, bright gosh, red. Oh gosh, no, right? no, there's no way I would. Right, exactly. Cool. No. So <laughs> the fact that the character designing it looks so nice on Mirai wearing the glasses, and then she's a kick-ass character too, really helps <laughs> accentuate that.
0: Yeah, so I guess like in the context of not just character design, <laughs> but- <laughs> gets this obviously uh but like in the context of the character itself like do you think she kind of subverts the tropes of Megane wearing glasses in the genre she's in because I, I mean obviously there, there's already a subversion of the first trope which is she's a main character and she's wearing glasses which you're right it is I actually can't think of any easily off the top of my head of protagonists with glasses there is one because it's currently airing but even then it's like from an anime that not anyone's really talking about or watching and so it's like I I totally see how already that's a great thing to have but what about her personality that sort of like subverts the tropes of Megane A that you don't really like
1: that I don't really like I guess like her as a character do you mean or
0: oh no no no! like what about her character that you like that subverts the trope of the Megane? character that you don't
1: like <laughs> and that's a hard one i'm not too sure are we still talking about mirai or just kind of like a character that i think of perhaps
0: oh no we're talking about mirai <laughs> sorry is this is, is the question too confusing
2: <laughs> okay i think what gracie's trying to ask is looking at mirai if you take off the glasses or you keep the glasses on what else do you like about her yes <laughs> like does she still come off as like that typical tropish? glass squaring characters of like oh is she shy or quiet or bookish or she's crafty which are usually like Megane tropes does she fall into any of those or does she like stand out from the trope and make it even better
1: yeah I think she definitely stands out from the trope and then I guess the other thing that I like about her maybe that kind of fits the trope is that she's a bit timid and shy sometimes when it comes to getting things or like clearly voicing her opinion because she doesn't want to do something so there's a lot of conflict within her before she actually voices out her concern or you know interacts with the characters or even gets ready for a fight she doesn't know if she should actually do it or not so i think that kind of like hesitation there is something that a a character wearing glasses might do
2: Mm, okay yeah i can definitely see that but then she really grows as a character i guess wearing the glasses and she takes a step out of the quote-unquote like shy quiet type right
1: and then towards the end as well she doesn't escape from the fact that when she takes off her glasses she is still beautiful as well
0: yes yes it's like she's beautiful no matter what with the glasses on and without the glasses yes I like that preach
2: sisters preach
0: Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, I really, I, yeah, I really, and I, I honestly some people are going to be like, well, anime makes everything look better. And I'm just going to be like, so, you know? <laughs> it's still really nice to see, like, it, she's still pretty no matter what. And yeah, I, I really like that part as well. Well, in that case, um, Mirai is an example of a glasses wearing character that you do like. So what is a example of the Megane trope that you don't like in this case? <laughs>
1: Yeah, a character that embodies that would be Ray from Free. I feel that like he embodies.
2: <laughs> it's the, it's mm-hmm. the opposite of Murai. <laughs> the red doesn't compliment him. <laughs> oh yeah, actually he has red glasses The red frames don't couple. I remember seeing that character visual too, being like, "Wow, that color clash, though." Mm-hmm. It's probably
1: because he has blue hair, and then yeah, the glasses don't really match him. But somehow he like tries to make it really good on him, and he doesn't care, so he'll wear his glasses. I do like the struggle that he goes through as well, kind of, um, you know, squinting when he can't see something, especially in the water and stuff like that, until he gets his, I don't know, special goggles or something, I think. I'm not too sure. I've probably forgotten. Probably because I don't care, I pay attention to him as a character that much. <laughs> out, I feel out. like anything he does oh. doesn't help. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, he grows as a character as well. Like, he learns how to swim with the team and everything. But I feel like, yeah, he definitely takes that role of the more nerdy type of character in in free and he always tries to calculate things like his stroke is butterfly right so right yes he's always calculating how he can swim better and not only that he starts helping other people i think that's another thing as well these characters with glasses are portrayed as really smart and nerdy so they're not only helping themselves even though they know that they might need some help um but he he also starts telling other people what to do too based on his calculations and what Right,
0: observed. right. Like they kind <laughs> of stick their nose into things they shouldn't or, you know, they should just let the other person learn on their own. I I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that's what i think about him as a character. I mean, he joins later in with the group, but and I don't know why, but he also thinks that he, you know, he has the best best stroke or like best fashion as well sometimes which doesn't even involve the glasses but for some reason it i guess maybe it adds to it being him or it adds to him being more narcissistic a little bit mm. I feel
2: like. <laughs>
1: so like his it's like his way or the highway right um but usually the other characters kind of uh talk over him or kind of talk him into doing things and you know he carefully considers these things as well um so it doesn't work for a better dynamic within the group later on.
0: Ah, I see. Okay, I so I'm one of the people who did not watch Free, believe it or not. You're
2: good, you're spared. You're absolutely spared. Okay, yeah, my
0: roommate (laughs) also said that she didn't really like it. Like, like, why? Why? Why do you guys not like it?
2: (laughs) It's because people are heavily misled by the fan service shown in the original previews that Kyoto Animation did to animate their water. And so people got really thirsty for that. And then instead of it being, I guess, like the expectations of people coming in to freeze, either you think it's going to be gay or you just want to watch something that's sport related. But somehow it goes to the extreme on both ends. and does not satisfy the middle.
0: Oh, like it can't seem to yeah. choose where it wants to go sort of situation or.
2: And it le- sometimes it leans too heavy onto one side, especially with, I think, the relationship between uh, Rin and Haru.
1: Yeah, between
2: like those it terms, leans yeah. really heavily into the BL direction, which I guess is fine because you have a lot more BL like um, free and things like that. But I think in that time period when free came out, it was not as readily accepted, so a lot of people were misled, and it's not very something that they're into.
0: I see. I have. I do remember seeing free was one of those that people feel like it's bait, and so yeah,
2: it was it was bait. Yeah, and there's a lot of and because it was bait and used during that time period where. We didn't really have a, f- a better understanding about boys' love and the romance behind it. It kind of created a cult following of girls who just like it because they're like, quote-unquote, dirty Fujoshi's. So it just gives BL a bad rap, too.
0: Interesting. Okay, well, once again, I didn't watch it, but I can't, I looked up, I remember the character, and I do remember being like, that's an interesting color of glasses to go with his <laughs> Because I didn't think it matched either, but I also find it kind of amusing, Isabel, that the two characters you picked are both Kyoto Animation with one, in particular, everyone everyone agrees, it's like great character design, and then the other one where everyone agrees is not great character design,
2: Kyoto Annie in like two different perspectives, right? Great character design, and then not so stellar character design, (laughs) but they still do great with animating the water.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure about that as well. Okay, well, that is a good breakdown of two glasses characters that you feel like one is great and one isn't so great. And I am curious now about you, Agnes. Who do you have for us that is uh, what you think is a great A character and another character that you just don't think does the A character any justice? <laughs>
2: Oh gosh, there's so many like Megane characters that I was scrolling online through and jogging my memory. And I have like a whole list of them that I think are just cool. I didn't even think about the Megane trope that did not do well. I was just looking at all these and being like, wow, yep, yep these guys okay. are cool. Yeah. Okay. I have, I, have how many I think <laughs> I have eight on my list right now. Oh <laughs> I'm just like, wait, this is, this is probably not a good idea. So if I have to narrow it down to probably my favorite Megane character that stood out for me for the longest time, I think was Aizen from Bleach <gasps> Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Okay, okay.
2: Just because Okay, well we all know the plot of Bleach In the Soul Society arc, right? Yes, yes, yes Okay, so for viewers who did not watch Bleach There's a portion of it where Ichigo And his friends have to save Their Shinigami friend Rukia from being executed And while they go to Go to the Soul Society to save her From being executed They're caught up in a very intricate political Plot between all the Shinsengumis and some of them who are trying to go against the Soul Society and bring back the hollow holification and become basically Lord uh overseers of Mundo. So it's a very complicated plot. You don't really see it until the very end of the arc. And Aizen is probably one of anime's biggest plot manipulators as early as that time period. He wore glasses, he comes off as the very assuming character of like shy quiet bookish type but he carries with him an air of confidence that you wouldn't expect from a mega nitro. like he feels so self-reassuring and someone that you can confide to someone that you can feel comfortable with like momo did in bleach so it kind of really leads you astray up until the very moment when he changes and he takes off the glasses and he just becomes an evil badass and you're like yeah i don't want to f- with you <laughs> <laughs> So I I I think that was like the biggest thing that stood out to me just because it was so well done. It was so well crafted. Nobody saw it coming. And he was he just reeked a very cool villainry right there. That you can be a villain and take off your glasses and still be a villain. <laughs>
0: I think I, I genuinely think Aizen is probably one of the biggest iconic villain reveal. In anime as a whole, that just blew everyone's minds away. I even now, like when I think back to that moment, as someone who was never super into Bleach, I still remember that feeling of like my jaw dropping and being like, "No, yeah, it
2: was." Because there, there are definitely other characters in this series who you think are the bad. Because the thing is, like the Soul Society arc has a bunch of red herrings,
0: right? Yeah, there are a lot
2: of characters that are antagonists to Ichigo's main group, because they outrightly like, kidnap Rukia, but there are also people who are playing in the shadows that Ichigo doesn't actually talk to, but they are, but those characters are also very integral to the rest of the cast. So it's like, you kind of go around in circles. You don't really know who's who until the final moment, because you think that, like, You look at Gin Ichimaru, you think, oh yeah, Gin is somebody who is a bad guy. guy The guy looks sketchy. Kind of looks like one. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the guy looks sketchy, right? He looks very sketchy. But then you look at some of the other characters, like Tolson, and you're like, Tolson's not sketchy, I don't think. And then the reveal comes, and then Aizen comes, and you're like, oh wait, hold on a second. So I think that's why Aizen plays a very good example of a crafty, sly villain Megane. There are a couple that also come to mind, like Stein from Soul Eater and Shiro from Mug Horizon, but they're kind of like the good guys who play crafty rather than Aizen who goes the full length of being a villain.
0: I, th- You know what? I was thinking to myself, because I was like, in a way, Aizen swings hard into the trope. You know, when he's wearing his glasses, he is this nice unassuming man he looks like the supportive husband you know who will always yeah oh my god yeah like he's warm and he's affectionate and he'll always be by your side and stuff and he's kind of shy and humble and everything so it's like he leans hard into the Megan a trope But at the same time, he leans hard into the other version as well. The slyness, this, uh, you know, this, you know, mastermind sort of character. But he utilizes one to mask the other one all while like wearing glasses. And I'm just like, it's brilliant. Like, it it really is brilliant. It's brilliant.
2: (laughs) It's absolutely brilliant. And then when he takes off the glasses and then rakes his hair back in the final scene, that's his permanent form for the rest of Bleach. And you know, that's his true self. It's so cool. I don't know. I found it very cool. And you're right. It does subvert the Meganid trope in so many ways that you wouldn't expect it at all. And I don't think anyone has firmly captured it still.
0: Yeah, no, no. I completely agree. I I, honestly, I can't captured the antagonist reveal. Like, it was just so good. That art was no. so good, guys! <laughs> <That was surprising. laughs>
2: Bring it back tight, Koopa! We don't need any of your other stuff. <laughs> as I continued to cry. Everybody.
0: I know, I was about to say, it started out as laughter and then slowly transitioned into Agnes crying <laughs> and pain. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, all my Discord friends and I, we all love Bleach for various of reasons. And then we end up going on, and I talked about this on another, in the previous Girl Talk episode about overrated anime that we love. We will talk about it for, we will talk about Bleach for ages and complain and compliment about all the things that we we saw in the series and then come to the, the starting point, of, the ending point of just being tired. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's an endless amount of things you can say bad about it, but there's an endless amount of things you can say good about it.
0: Well, since we are on this train right now, uh, Isabel, like, you know, I, I, her, I hear you like agreeing with us and stuff like that, but I kind of want more of your thoughts per se in regards to Aizen. Like, how did you feel when that reveal was made, you know, of Aizen being the big bad, at least for a long time uh, for the Bleach uh, plot line?
1: No, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I just agree with what you guys said, honestly. Like, I didn't think of him as a villain at all. He seemed like a nice captain you know he's a captain so i thought you know okay if he's a captain he's a leader and there's a reason why he chose they chose him right but the fact that he's working in the shadows and it's never really revealed until the end it was definitely a shocker for me as well and i never really thought of him as a glasses character too i feel like it just kind of like slipped my mind the only person i thought of with glasses is actually ishida who's one of them ichigo's friends right who fits yeah. the trope in my opinion so i kind of remember him more yeah. than aizen but maybe because of the villain <laughs> Same here. Maybe, yeah
0: Okay, well, yes. that is such a great choice <laughs> um, <laughs> representing Megane. So, I so we gotta go to the downer side now. Which character did you find disappointing in regards to its utilization of the Megane trope?
2: Oh God, the character I think that rubbed me the wrong way. I did do a bit of research because you know all these characters look cool with glasses, right? And I think the one character that grated me the most was Manami Okuda from Assassination Classroom.
0: Oh gosh, uh, I don't remember. It's,
2: it's- the chemist girl. Easy. You don't even remember her because she's so unremarkable. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the she's the one that like Karma was interested in because he wanted to use her yes. poison, soft fork pranks and stuff like that. Okay, <laughs> yes, I remember now. What what is it about? You you really don't like her, huh?
2: <laughs> it's so bland, and she's a STEM kid, and I hate it. <laughs> really. <laughs>
0: She's, she's
2: so stereotypically make, you know, I talk about Aizen, how he's so cool in subverting the trope and makes it look like nerds can be cool too. And the majority of the characters I have on my list are nerds can be cool too. But Manami feels like she tries to fit into the I can be cool too, but then they take a step back and be like, nah, you're still the shy, quiet bookish type.
0: But she's a shy, quiet, bookish type who can kill you with poison. Like isn't that cool? But, in a way. But she
2: never she never really kills anybody with poison. She just gives it to somebody.
0: Oh, like, you want, like, more of a sort of, like, a ninja-esque way of her going about things. Or
2: not even more of a ninja. I wish that she was more proactive because the majority of both the manga and the anime, characters are just asking her for her poisons and she's just like, here, and then that's it.
0: Okay, I see. That's, like,
2: all the screen time she gets versus, like, if she actively went out of her way and used, because less and less of the tactics used in Assassination Classroom is of her utilizing poison, which is a great skill to have, by the way, like the fact that she's compounding these things without pharmaceutical industrial equipment is absolutely mind boggling (laughs) from my perspective as somebody who does work in the technician field for pharmaceuticals. But the fact that she just kind of does like these random concoctions to the side because she's like a cute chem lab student is just very like, eh. it doesn't really feel like there's any weight. And she doesn't supply any of that in any of the missions that they do. Rather, it's more of Nagisa or Karma leading the assault. And then everyone else kind of falls behind because they have some sort of martial ability to follow up with it. Mm
0: hmm. Okay that's interesting because what's funny is I actually did like her when I watched Assassination Classroom. I don't love her you know like I definitely wouldn't have like jumped to her defense like I would have if anyone had ever said Aizen was a bad antagonist (laughs) (laughs) but I did but I didn't mind her to say the least like I definitely still enjoyed seeing her and stuff but even like Putting it in your perspective, I do see what you're trying to say. And I will say the part that I remember her best in is actually one of the few times she was proactive and not in like, here, sensei, take the poison. I'm going to try to kill you. Like so obvious sort of thing. But during the whole Valentine's Day shtick, she perp- she like gave karma. Uh, she gave Karma chocolates that was laced with cyanide or, or cyanide already, like that poison. And because she knew that he was going to give it to... Oh, what's his name? Tetsu. It, it's the big burly guy. Uh, he he w- Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I remember who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. so
0: so she knew that Karma was going to give... Karma uh, was going to give chocolates to Tetsu to... Essentially, because Karma loves to, you know, screw around with Tetsu specifically. And so... She, that was the one time she was like really proactive and like he didn't even have to ask her. She's like, I already made chocolates laced with all these poisons and here you go. And Carmen was like, dang, you know, she was so proactive that I didn't even need to ask her. And everyone else was like, oh, my God, these two are going to kill someone one day. And Right,
2: exactly. So like that's a cool scenario to set her up and, and to continue to have her do something like that. Or even being kind of like a merchant type of thing to kind of peddle off a lot of these poisons. But she doesn't really take that much of a role in the rest of this series and takes a backseat, personally. So I, that's why I felt a bit annoyed with that. Because she could have done so much more. She could have been cool. Like, you know, I, I was in an AP chemistry class once, right? And you look at all the nerds in that class, they all look the same. <laughs> they're, they're all very unremarkable people. Okay. And she's also very unremarkable, too. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Agnes. <laughs> no, like, I've met AP chemistry people who are, like, downright devious and Mad on <laughs> a couple of occasions, but they're all like very interesting people. But the rest of them are kind of just fodder, so I don't really pay attention to them at all. Oh
0: my gosh, Isabel, are you reacting sure the same I way I am? That.
2: Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like a bunch of us will be looped into that, or any, or like more than half. Oh, of us. You guys, you guys are much better people. I assure you, you guys are very special. You guys have your own quirks, so that's fine. <laughs> but these characters are just very cardboard and boring. That's all.
0: Well, I just I, I just I just hope chemistry students aren't mad at us at the end of the day for this.
2: <laughs> I mean all of them watch anime, they're all weeps anyway, so I don't think it matters.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Well okay, moving <laughs> past real people. Moving okay. past real people. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the characters itself. I think I think one thing that people did like about Okada is the fact that, you know, she is the shy Unassuming character, the humble character, but she has a thing with poison. So I can see how just having that extra fact for girls who do relate to her and feel shy and potentially wear glasses as well—a large potential factor because almost everyone wears glasses these days. <laughs> I can see like why Okada was a big deal for them personally, but I also see it now from your side of what you are saying, like a writing perspective-wise, because. I don't think I I really don't think it occurred to me that much that she really was pretty passive. Like she didn't have as much of an active role. And even the chocolates thing, which I really, really adored, it was a brief moment. And obviously it was a throwaway gag because it was for the Valentine's Day thing. And so I so I get what you're saying in regards to your criticism of her as a character under the Megan A trope. But I guess now out of curiosity, since you said you had eight listed. Can you just let us know what other characters had <laughs> <you> have listed? <laughs> oh
2: no! So I mentioned it briefly earlier because I was talking about Chiro from Log Horizon because he does the whole glasses push things and he's like the biggest strategist in the game that they're trapped in. There's Stein from Soul Eater who goes into a straight mad scientist route and descends into the what the term in Soul Eater is is like madness or chaos of being like very corrupt. So he has that streak as well. There's Hanji from Attack on Titan, because she definitely wears glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um and then I also had Mirai from Beyond the Boundary, because she's so cute. <laughs> but she's also, she I have a bias towards blood manipulation, like as a superpower. So that was really cool too. Uh there's May Hughes from FMA.
0: Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, oh. okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like you you don't see a lot of, I guess, like dilfs or like daddies, I would like to. Wearing glasses. Oh my gosh! Uh, so, oh. <laughs> there, there's that option. No, but Maze. But aside from that, because I can say that because I'm older now, Maze is a really cool character. Very humble and a very very kind Agnes, father.
0: Just say you like ENFJs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh no. Yes, Maze
2: uh, uses an ENFJ. I hate this. <laughs> I hate this. Please kill me. Oh my god, this is the Agnes Tormentation video instead of the Megane video. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, and then the two other ones I wanted to spotlight was Yukio Okumura from Aono Exorcist. Because I thought it was really interesting how he's a fighting character but also wears glasses as well. He's like uh, pistol wielding and he has a very realistic depiction of wearing glasses similar to Mirai. You know, he can't see without his glasses. He squints a lot too. And then you also have Tsukishima Kei from Haikyuu. Ah,
0: yes, that's a good one. Oh, yeah.
2: And I wanted to highlight Tsukishima not because of, like, he's like, he, well, he comes off as the very s- snide Megane, which is also a very fun twist. It, rather than sly and manipulative, he's also very like, oh, so you're that kind of person. He makes a lot of jokes and riles up a lot of characters. I think that's a very different spin on the Megane. Um, but the thing that I wanted to highlight with Tsukishima was that in sports, typically, people don't wear glasses. That's true. So most, right? So most people, like I, for me, for instance, I did martial arts. I did karate for a fairly long period of time. I get very uncomfortable wearing glasses. So for a period of time, I actually had to switch and learn how to use contacts because I can't afford to have glass shattering in my eyes and someone punches me in the face. And the same thing goes for Tsukishima as well, because he's playing volleyball. That ball is hurling at you for, I don't know what the speed is, but it can shatter upon impact when it reaches you. The fact that he still wears glasses, but he wears sport glasses instead adds a nice realistic flair, because that also is a realistic thing too.
1: Yeah, I always really like that whenever you see those in sports. Um, Another character is like
2: Miyuki from Ace of Diamond. Like
1: he actually wears sports glasses too, so. Instead, of wearing Yeah, contacts. and I
2: thought that, mm-hmm. that was nice. Yeah, because wearing contacts at one point, you just look like a regular main character who doesn't wear glasses, so you don't really know that they're glasses wearing. Uh, but because Tsukishima wears the sport glasses, you're kind of like, do I want to invest myself to look that cool with my glasses?
0: <laughs> I think it also does <laughs> illustrate his personality because Tsuki, Tsuki is pretty stubborn. And... In a yeah. way, like by yeah. refusing to get contacts, which is the majority of people, which makes sense in all honesty. You know, like I know if I ever placed sport, I would much rather not have my physical glasses on just because I'm scared of what might happen to them. But his insistence on still wearing glasses sort of shows that side of his personality that is can be, and, and you know, this will be censored, it can be a little bitch sometimes. <laughs> so-
2: yeah, <laughs> that's so true, though. <laughs> But yeah, that's my that's my list.
0: <laughs> All right, well that, that's. Cool I, I was just curious, but that was a good list, uh, for sure. So it is my turn. Um, well, the two I picked are kind of from smaller anime. I say smaller, even though both managed enough votes to get nominated <laughs> in our anime trending awards. But I have also learned that our community can be quite different from the general community as well. So the glasses example that I really, really liked was uh, was from Astro Lost in Space, and it was Zach Walker. I don't know if you two have seen the anime or not.
2: I have. Okay. Zach is very handsome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just funny. put it out there. Zach is oh very handsome. Oh my gosh! The way,
0: the way that Agnes said that too. Did you hear her voice? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yes, I was trying to do a very gremlin I lust after you voice, but yes, go ahead.
0: So I really like Zack because Zack still uh, encompasses a lot of the tropes. He is very intelligent. He is very strategic. He was absolutely the strategist of the group. He notices when something's wrong or off. He's a nerd for ships and stuff like that. But then at the end, also subverts it at the same time. He doesn't want to be a scientist or something more nerdy related or in like more like school nerdy related. He wants to be adventure. He wants to travel space and see things. And another thing I really like about him is that he is kind of socially awkward, per se, because he is very blunt, you know, he's very and he's not exactly talkative in regards to, you know, extroversion or anything like that but he is also open and fearless about his own emotions. One of my favorite scenes in Astral Lost in Space is when he literally confesses his love to Kitari and he does it so like fearlessly and just so like, oh, it is what it is, wait, I just haven't seen it before with anime characters as a whole, much less an anime character wearing glasses. And so uh, because, the whole thing was Kiteri, uh, you know, she basically she uh, said something that revealed that like, you know, she likes Zach, but she's a Cinderella, so she has a hard time admitting to it. But Zach was really confused and he was like, oh, like, we're going to get married, right? And she was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, we were your kids because they're, oh, they're another good childhood tro- friend trope, but they're childhood friends, uh, but that actually have requited feelings for each other. And so, uh, and it revealed in their childhood when they were friends, the little girl Kituri was like, marry me. And, and little Zach was like, okay, I'll marry you. And so um, and Kituri, understandably was like, oh, that's when we were kids. Like, you know, I I didn't think you would remember or take it seriously. And Zach was like, oh, and he pauses for a moment. He's like, well, I've always loved you. And he just said it (laughs) bluntly and fearlessly. Like it just like it was just common sense for him to say something like that. And it gets even better because when Zack and Kiteri tells the crew, you know, that they've started dating. Everyone's all giddy because they're high school students. And they've been through a lot of stuff together. So it's really happy for them to see two characters who obviously like each other get together. And so and so they asked, you know, Zach, like, you know, like, what do you like about Kiteri sort of thing? And he just stares at them. He's like, is that really a question to ask? And he's like, she's just so cute and beautiful. Like, why would anyone else think otherwise? And, and like the crew was like, oh, like we're dying. We're dying. <laughs> and so and they were basically dying from like his sweetness and his like complete honesty about like how he feels towards key three and so i just thought it, it really was just such a surprise for me even more so for it to be a character with glasses And another thing I would add is they, those two are the biggest romantic arc in the group. Obviously the romance is understated. It is a subplot. It is definitely not in any shape or form the main story of Astral Lost in Space, but this, they do have like the biggest feature of romantic feelings towards each other and It's with a character with glasses. It's not with any of the other characters. And we've got other characters who fit the more generic, like, romantic lead, whether it's Kanata with his, um, you know, with his sporty look. And then there's, oh, I forgot his name. But it was... Ari? huh?
2: Oh, Aries is the girl. Never mind. Oh, no,
0: Aries is the girl, yeah. The other guy with the beanie, like, he looks angsty. You know, he's the angst character. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) those characters look like the type of characters that would have the romantic subplot, but no, it's actually the guy with the glasses who has the romantic subplot. And I just thought they did a really good job of, while leaning into the trope, but also subverting at the same time to just overall make a character that feels really real and human. And so that's my first, that's my pick, Uh, not my first pick because we only get one pick, but that's my pick (laughs) in regards to a Megan, a character that I think just does a really good job. But yeah, Agnes, it sounds like you like Zach at least. <laughs>
2: I like Zach. I remember seeing your your comment of the 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 confession scene on on Facebook, and so I, I was kind of slightly intrigued. I didn't really know the context of it, so I was watching Astro Lost in Space because of that. And when I got to that scene, I'm just like, "Man, he's a taker. Come on, just take it. Don't be <laughs> Cinderella <rain> about it." <laughs> he's so sweet, and it's very realistic of just guys were very happily in love with whoever their spouse is honestly that they're very open to saying that they love them regardless if they wear glasses or not and that was a nice
0: touch yeah honestly. yeah yeah it really is like for the first time ever like i don't even think he had like a glasses shing moment like i don't even even think they gave him that i was just like he just wears shing glasses moment. <laughs> <laughs> basically isabel oh, God, if you don't right. watch loss's space at least watch that scene <laughs>
2: it's a cute scene it's it's a very cute scene i think astral lust in space might be up your alley too because it's something that is very straightforward and there's a good ending as well but it doesn't feel like stereotypically like a hero's journey type of thing oh that type of thing okay no. Yeah, it might be something up your alley uh-huh. I hope you haven't
0: gotten spoiled though because it's been a while now and there there are plot twists in there that were pretty big when I um, when I first saw it but I also know like some time has passed so spoilers tend to be abound uh, wavering in the internet so
1: <laughs> true true yeah no yeah I feel like I haven't seen them at all but yeah I had a question of Zack as a character though it seems like he's he's not very emotional on the outside but he actually is very much so on the inside it's just that He doesn't show it as much, I feel like. So that's why does it come off as a like a surprise to the other characters, I
0: guess? It does. Yes, because he's always the calm one. He like I said, he both embodies the trope and doesn't at the same time. And that's the part that he does. He is the calmest of the group. And like I said, he is the strategist. He's the one who notices something's wrong. He's the one who fixes the ship whenever there's anything wrong with the ship. He is by far without question the most Intelligent as in book smart of the group And he himself admits like he's not great on street smarts But he is good on book smarts And so it is surprising Because he's always just been the calm one Who's like telling information and saying as it is Astro Lost in Space I think Is what like I think what makes it powerful And I wrote about it in my review Which I I think Agnes was the one who edited it But um, it starts off With a bunch of stereotypes And a bunch of character tropes It starts off with like, you know, the Cinderella girl, the, um, you know, the smart guy with the glasses, the ink guy, um, the guy who's kind of, you know, feminine per se, but then we, uh, but then, um, you know, the sporty guy and the generic nice girl and the prince guy, like, like, I can name, I can name like a character trope for every single one of them. But they start off that way when you first meet them. But as you go alongside their journey, as they try to get home, they start showing their complexities and their nuances to them as a character that makes them more than just a trope. And so Zach does that. That initial thing that you talked about, you know, where, yeah, he doesn't really seem to... He does feel a lot, but it seems like he doesn't feel anything because he talks Mm -hmm. so calmly all the time and he talks so objectively and he's like, I notice these things and he's a strategist and stuff like that. But then as the series continue, we get moments where he's just like, oh, well, I've always been in love with you. You know, and he says it so bluntly and easily and and it's just such a delight to see. And so I guess it's a long winded answer to your question. (laughs) Does that answer it at all?
1: (laughs) No, yeah, it definitely does. Thank you for that. But yeah, now that we talked about Zach and everything, um, who is your character for one that you know maybe follows the trope, or that you don't like as much?
0: So my one that I picked that I'm kind of iffy on is Rika from Oh Maidens in Your Savage Season. I don't know if you guys have seen it.
2: Well, I know that you saw it because I briefly read some of your reviews online, but I haven't seen it personally. Okay. what about you, Isabel?
1: Uh, I think I remember. I'm just looking it up really quickly. I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, no, actually, okay. I didn't have... I had a different anime in mind. Sorry. I'll
0: okay. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I did like the anime itself. I, um, It's one of the few animes of focused on a team of girls and for girls to openly talk about sex and wanting sex and, you know, what they would like out of sex and stuff like that. It's It's written by Mario Okada, so it has some ridiculous moments in there but I just think it's so important to have an anime just talking about the theme that it for me forgives the other more ridiculous parts at least and so and they even made the observation like why is it that boys are allowed to talk about it but then when we talk about it it's taboo so I I just really really enjoy that part so anime aside I think the thing that disappointed me about Rika is that Rika is the prude character that we first meet. She's the one who doesn't want any of the girls talking about sex, being interested in sex at all. And she is sort of like using her unattractiveness as a defense mechanism, which I'm sure that we've all known girls or maybe even been that girl at one point to be like, well, it's not like even if guys don't like me. I'm better than the other girls though because I'm smarter than them and I know more than them and it's because I'm not ready for a relationship and thus I'm more emotionally mature and stuff like that. And so she she's that character. She's the prude character and she wears glasses. But then it was later as the series went on, it turns out that there was a guy who has a crush on her and the guy liked her completely with the glasses and everything. The fact that she looks nerdy, the fact that she doesn't really dress as fancy or puts on makeup as other girls and stuff like that. He just liked her and he thought she was cute, whether, you know, no matter what. And the two of them have a really great relationship. They end up they end up developing into something really, really, really sweet. And I really like their relationship. But the thing that disappointed me about Rika was after she found out the guy had a crush on her, she stopped wearing her glasses and she switched to contacts. And immediately it seems like she looks prettier. And I think that was the part that disappointed me because especially with the context of their relationship is the guy liked her no matter what with glasses, without glasses, with her hair up, with her hair down wearing fancier clothes, not wearing fancier clothes, makeup or no makeup. He just always thought she was cute. I felt like it kind of took away sort of the magic of that relationship by making her go through that beauty transformation when she did find out a guy liked her and wanted to date her. I wish that they had kept her in her glasses and in her usual outfit to you know, to sort of embrace that side of her while accepting that you know there are guys who are totally interested in these kind of things. But at the same time, like it's a bit of a conflict for me because at the same time I understand why she went through that beauty conf- uh, that beauty conversion because her arc was starting off with her being judgmental towards the girls who you know did beauty stuff and like put on makeup and you know did their hair and stuff like that and. Her learning to embrace that being girly and looking girly and taking care of the way you look and caring about the way you look isn't bad at all. It just depends on the person. So I understand the arc of the story. I think it just sort of coincide or like clashed with her relationship per se in regards to how it was started and stuff like that. Does Am I making any sense at all with the way I'm explaining this? <laughs>
2: No, I understand, Um, especially because I sort of feel like I went through that kind of phase as well. And surprisingly, there was a friend in college who commented that I was very conservative in the wearing that I, in my, my clothes, I don't wear makeup and things like that. So I was really taken back by surprise. He didn't mean it as a bad thing, but it is a very interesting observation how a lot of girls feel as if they aren't flashy or cute enough that they would be so willing to downsize themselves into being prudish and being conservative by nature.
0: Right, yeah. And so I think I think in I think what would have made me happy is that she didn't just change her look completely. I think what I would have liked is Even after finding out the guy liked her no matter what, that she would still keep her usual outfits and stuff. But then when she goes out on dates with him, you know, she's okay with, you know, putting some makeup on and doing her hair and stuff like that. Because she's going on a date and she's exciting. And in the anime, part of her character arc, was she does actually befriend one of the girls that she initially, like, looked down on from, like a morally a quote unquote morally upstanding point because the girl was obviously sleeping around with other guys and she wears clothes that are a little more revealing and she does makeup and you know she pulls her hair up and does all these stuff that like purposefully looks more flirtatious and she ends and they started off antagonistic but then she ended up befriending that girl and so i felt like it would have worked either way if she had still kept her original look with the glasses and the ponytail while befriending a girl who obviously is not like that. it already I feel like that already in itself shows her growth while also staying true to who she is as a person, which is, you know, she is very bookish. She is very nerdy and you know, it takes effort to do your hair and do your makeup and stuff like that. And she usually prefers not to. And then a guy, the guy that she ends up dating st- still likes her regardless of the way she looks and stuff like that. So I felt like that would have been the best happy medium. But I, like I said, I'm not totally against it. I'm in the weird thing of like Megan A character's don't bother me as much. I don't know if it's because I, I have a thing for introverts. Remember when we talked about this? So oh, I yes. Have a-
2: yes, Hirotaka is a perfect example of that because he's an introvert. He wears glasses. Yes, go on.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Hiro- uh, Hirotaka is beautiful. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think I like I said, like I'm not completely against this Mega Day character. And so this is just like my more specific analytical critique per se, but I am a little biased for it because once again I do have a thing for introverts. So even Megan characters who fall into the more introverted trope section, I don't really mind as much because I just like introverted characters. So this is a bit of a bias in this situation for me. Though uh, I do want to point out one other famous Megan character. I, I won't say whether he's good or bad, but I just want to point out that he's famous. It is Kyoya from Oron High School Host Club. Um, I don't think anyone else has perfected the sheen with his class. Oh yeah, <laughs> as well as he did, while also being a host in a popular host club. So, so that's my little call out for the Mega Day. <sighs> All right, well, that is our trope dissection. There's quite a bit of, you know, there's quite a bit of a variety in regards to Mega Day trope, and I think overall it's just really fun to see, you know, how we view these tropes and which characters we like and don't like that embodies it but I think we have all come to a conclusion that Mirai looks great in her glasses and then Aizen is the best so
2: (laughs) 10 out of 10 Aizen's the best
0: All right, well, you know what time it is. It is time for Agnes's adventures in France, and we have quite a bit of an adventure because last time we found out that Agnes somehow fell into a tarot card and has met up with the famous she-wolf of France who is a force to be reckoned with, and I really uh, suggest people to just Wikipedia her and see what her life is, but, you know, is Agnes going to change history? Like, what are you doing down there? <laughs>
2: You know, I thought that was going to be really interesting, too, because for a moment I was like, this is Isabel, the she-wolf of France. But life has other plans for me, so unfortunately, I ended up waking up from a trance, uh, from being sucked into the tarot card. I found myself face-to-face with the fortune teller again, and she said, well, you know, it's all... Chicks and glamours but it's probably a, a glimpse into your future and she pulled a second card from the duck which appeared to be the La lune which is the moon and on the card it had it was a full moon with a with with a crescent in within two in pillars and there are two wolves howling and I looked at it, and I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean? I don't do tarot card readings. I hardly understood what the, the sh- is- Isabel the she-wolf means with the sun, but okay. And she revealed to me that the moon is at the card of illusion and deception, suggesting a time where something is not as it appears to be. Perhaps there was a misunderstanding on my part when I saw Isabel, or there's a truth that I can't admit about myself. Ooh. So I was like, I was like, okay, um, that's very deep, but okay, (laughs) sure. I'm the ISTP. I don't talk about my feelings. So maybe there's some, there's some truth in that. Anyway, um, so I, since I don't really know what she's babbling about, I pay her a couple euros and I'm off with myself. Um, and I'm having a wonderful lunch in Paris, uh, because it's, it was my day off when I found the fortune teller. And then eventually, as I'm walking around Paris, night falls and I end up stopping by the Musée du Louvre, which is used to be a royal palace, now converted into a museum. And there's a lot of people around still at this hour of the day. It's like probably 6, 7 p.m. But it's starting to get pretty dark. Um And the structure is lit up very nicely because it's the Louvre in the middle of the night. I was taking, I tried to take a selfie because I've never been to the Louvre before. So I'm like, Quixing! and just as I'm about to press the shuttle, the, sorry, the shuttle, the, um, what's it what's it called the uh the shutter (laughs) shutter. (laughs) my brain my brain is like half scrambled between french and english at this time i can't even speak properly and when i'm trying to press the shutter there's a blinding light on my left that blinds me for a brief second and there's a man that is pedaling fast towards me on his bicycle and i'm in his way run away i'm about to be toppled over (laughs) by this bicycle what? I said, run away. <laughs> run away! But you know, this guy's pedaling really fast. I don't have time to run away. And But I managed to kind of like dodge out of the way and trip onto the floor. And he also kind of like skids past me and his bike clatters through the, the streets. And he also like tumbles into the street of the Louvre. It was kind of a mess because, you know, we kind of scratched up and bruised from that encounter. But thankfully, he did not really crash into me. He just skirt right past me and he helps me up and he starts profusely apologizing in French, which I managed to sort of understand with my cursory knowledge, but maybe, but I felt like I could, even understand him a little bit more. Maybe it's because of the the gift of the tarot cards. I don't know. Isabel, is, it's about, is this
0: shit. starting to sound like a show? a <laughs> <romance>, situation <perhaps laughs> into a guy, You know, couldn't get out of oh, the no. way. <laughs>
2: This is this is going swimmingly. So yes, you are correct, Gracie. You predicted it. Uh, the man has curly hair. He's about in his early twenties. He's like he's probably a college student from around the area based on what he's wearing. Um... And he's apologizing. He says he tries to make it up for me. And he wants to get me a cup of coffee oh in the evening, gosh. which can, which is fairly common in Europe. And I'm like, okay, this is, I guess, sure, I'm not really into it. But, like, I, you know, I got a work shift tomorrow <laughs> at the spa restaurant, the spa sweat restaurant. Um, And I'm kind of bewildered. I don't know why he's offering this. But he simply just grabs my hand and he just starts escorting me away from the pyramid to go have a cup of coffee, and that's where we'll end there, because I am now experiencing secondhand embarrassment, so goodbye, farewell. Oh my
0: gosh, we need to commission art for this guy, this guy is so important. No, we no, don't, we
2: do not need, no, we do not need to, oh, this is, this is going terribly.
0: <laughs> well, Agnes will need to recover for a secondhand embarrassment, but I will be milking it for the rest of the week. Um, well, thank you everyone for a listening to us today i hope you enjoy the trope dissection and i hope you guys are ready to hear the rest of agnes's story because i sure am so
2: god my face is actually flaming in embarrassment <laughs> like it feels hot and i'm just like uh this is strange <laughs> but okay
0: <laughs> well i hope you will all be with us next time bye everyone
2: bye Bye-bye.